welcome to the Public Diplomat Dialogues. Uh, this is Professor Guy Golan from Syracuse University. Excited to have you back with us today to talk about nation branding, public diplomacy, and all things international. Today we're going to talk about Kenya and how Safaricom is engaged in the nation's uh, nation brand. For this purpose, I'm excited to have Professor Melissa Tuli uh, and David Tuway, a doctoral student, From the University of Iowa. Welcome both. Hi, Guy. All right, so let's jump right into it. Um, you just presented this new research in a conference, and I wanted to know why Safaricom? Yeah, so Safaricom is the leading mobile operator in Kenya, and it is also the oldest mobile operator in Kenya. So it's been around since the late 90s. Um, in addition to its sort of legacy as the oldest and um, most popular company, it plays a big role in sort of Kenyan business and in other aspects of Kenya. For example, their major stadium is Safaricom, you know, branded by Safaricom. So it's quite a large and popular um, Kenyan company, and it has a very Kenyan um, identity tied to it, which is something we explore in the paper. Yeah, and it sounds like, uh, David, Safaricom is involved in many aspects of the nation of Kenya, including uh, trying to define the nation and how it sees itself. Yes. Um, probably we can, we can actually talk about 2007, uh, for example, when there was the post-election violence in Kenya. And Safaricom actually you know, helped the government or, in fact, was asked by the government of Kenya to send you know, peace messages to asking the several ethnic communities in Kenya, and there are over 42 of them, to, to coexist peacefully among them. So in many ways, we can say that Safaricom has actually, you know, played, you know, a big role in issues of Kenyan identity, you know, uh, asking communities to unite or coexist or live together peacefully. Uh, yeah, so it's been actively engaged in that. Okay, well, usually when we talk about nation branding, we talk about governments putting together a communication team and trying to differentiate itself from other nations. Uh, here in your paper, you talk about the concept of commercial nationalism. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, so that concept is very is closely tied to the idea of nation branding, but what it sort of differentiates is the role of businesses and commercial entities in the type of branding that that you're um, talking about. So, differentiating, um, for example, in this case, Kenya, through, through ad, we talk about specifically advertisements, but also just through general marketing um, strategies. So commercial nationalism really has the idea of, of branding the nation, similar to nation branding and, and, and having these identities. But one thing that we talk about and that we think is really interesting is the role of money, right? So these are commercial entities trying to make a profit. And so how does that how does profit motive and identity building and presenting Kenya in a certain light play together? And in this case, and something that we find really interesting is the relationship between what Safaricom is doing and what the Kenyan government is also trying to do. Well, let's uh, have a little listen and listen to the connect with everyone ad. There's a reason for investing 12 billion shillings on the latest data technology. And there's a reason for laying over 1,000 kilometers of fiber optic cable across the country. 
There's a reason for giving away thousands of free phones every week with Bonga Points. So, David, we just listened to the ad. Uh, it sounds to me very much like an AT&T or Verizon ad. In what way do you, do you guys consider this to be a nation branding uh, ad? Uh, we think that um, that ad that you've talked about, uh, Connect with Everyone, is, uh, is, is so much a nation branding ad. Because uh, the, when you look at the content of that ad, first of all, Safaricom tries to present itself as very important in setting up infrastructure in the whole Kenyan Republic. Uh, the whole mobile development, uh, you know, be it in the urban areas or in the rural areas. So in many ways, Safaricom tries to present itself as a company that is important to the Kenyan nation uh, in, in, you know, in boosting business. And, and, and of course, in that clip that, we've, uh, that you talked about, we see the image of a lost child and, and the mother who is very frantic trying to look for her. And in the process, of course, the, the mobile phone is very helpful, of course, here in, you know, the mother trying to finally, you know, find where the girl is. And she's so pleased. Uh, the mother is so pleased that they, she finally finds the girl to, you know, because of the mobile phone or Safaricom network. So uh, in, in many ways, you know, Safaricom is trying to say here that we connect families and, and, you know, our business is important in bringing, you know, together, you know, <laughs> disparate families, or we can say, even if it is momentarily, of course. Okay, well, that will be positioning Safaricom within Kenya. But how would that define the Kenyan people or the Kenyan nation? Yeah, so one, one thing that we like about that ad, if you could see the visuals in it as well, it's showing Kenya in, an, in a sort of very positive light, like they show infrastructure as a symbol of the development of the country. And so there's a series of ads where they do this whole theme, you know, um, that one starts with there's a reason. And there's a series of them that start with that. And so what what that ad and the, the, the series of ads really do is talk about Kenya and how sort of developed it is in its mobile infrastructure. Of course, always situating Safaricom as a major and important player, but then bringing it back to the individual, which is something that we find really interesting. It's sort of this this idea of um, the entirety of Kenya, but that can be reflected in individual um, consumers. And so the idea of the individual consumer also is new, is a sort of new idea. Kenya traditionally is thought of as a kind of communal country. And so really focusing on the individual and, you know, Safaricom is here for every Kenyan, that idea becomes important when it when they want to show the entire nation. We talk about their... Um, attempt to define the nation as really multi-ethnic and diverse and how that is a shift from what David was talking about earlier of the tension between ethnic groups. Safaricom wants to say, no, no, our diversity is what makes us Kenyan and, and Safaricom can connect us all and Safaricom can make our nation better. Mm -hmm. Well, 
How is this any different than what uh, corporations are doing all around the world? I mean, uh, think about the Budweiser ads in the United States or the um, Harley-Davidson ad uh, touching upon the values of a nation, the spirit, and putting it to commercial use. Is this yeah. similar? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it actually is similar. It's something what we think is worth investigating is that oftentimes in countries like Kenya, other countries in Africa, developing nations, we ignore this stuff. We ignore the sort of popular culture, the idea that, you know, there are consumers in Kenya. Not everyone is poor. Not everyone is using mobile for development purposes. So a lot of the research in these areas focuses on the idea of like ICT, information communication technologies for development. You know, how do you help farmers and fishermen and that kind of thing? And we actually want to say no. So Kenya wants to position itself as a global player in in technology. Safaricom is an important part of that. So we actually think, yeah, it is similar to what other countries are doing. And that's a reason to look at it, that we want to see what is distinctly Kenyan about what they're trying to say, but how does that tie to global um, global conditions and sort of global discussions? One thing we think is really important is that these ads are trying to show investors that they should come to Kenya, right? So this is something a lot of countries are trying to do, both through government campaigns, but also when you're a company like Safaricom that's so tied to to this um, nation and to its economic development, bringing in investors is is critical. So we do think it's connected to a larger global uh, phenomenon. Mm-hmm. And is there, in fact, a cooperation between Safaricom and the Kenyan government? There has been at times. So the, the example David gave in the post-election violence, but also in the lead up to the the last election, um, Safaricom engaged in a peace campaign prior to the election doing peace messages and things like that. So there has been um, collaboration. They also, Safaricom often sponsors events that the Kenyan government, ICT board, and, and organizations like that work on. So they do collaborate. Yes, they do collaborate. Actually, uh, right now, there is, uh, they, they want to use electronic uh, like public transport system. Safaricom is actually coming in right now. So actually, you know, you know, tell the government, you can help you, like, uh, you know, those who board the public transport system do not have to pay in cash, and they can use their mobile phone to pay for that. And, and, and the government is so, I mean, and Safaricom is so instrumental in pushing, in pushing for that, and the government is actually in taking the services of Safaricom to help in on that, on, on that basis. And apart from public transport, really, uh, there is also the national security infrastructure, you know, surveillance issues in the city of Nairobi. Safaricom is playing a very big role in helping the government set up, you know, infrastructure for surveillance for security purposes. And it sounds, Melissa, as if you were uh, a little hesitant about this cooperation between um, a commercial entity and the government. Well, you know, I think there are some issues. So one of the issues with the the post-election was that not only was Safaricom participating in a way that you could think is positive, right? They're sending these peace messages, et cetera. But there was also hate messages being sent across their network and other mobile providers as well. It wasn't just, you know, Safaricom, but the government wanted to get the phone numbers of those people and wanted to figure out who was sending these kind of messages. So when you're, when you're that tight with the government, you know, do they give up do they give up the phone numbers? Do they say who who was sending these messages? So there is, you know, those issues of privacy that we deal with in this country as well. Also, if if Safaricom is um, for the for the public transportation, if they're the provider, then that's also forcing consumers to use a Safaricom product 
to now get on a public bus. So there are some issues where they are pushing out the competition. So there are a lot of other operators in, in Kenya, but Safaricom is really dominant, despite the fact that some of the operators have better prices or, you know, so there are some things where I think it could get um, a little bit dicey in, in terms of, of that relationship. Absolutely. I want to bring the conversation back to the greater picture of uh, nation branding and um, differentiating between nations. Uh, in your paper, you speak about the phenomenon of Kenya within the greater rising Africa phenomenon. Can you speak about that a little bit? Yeah. So Kenya is an interesting country for, for a lot of reasons. So it's always been a tourist destination because it has beautiful geography and it has amazing weather and there's all these beautiful landscapes. So it has a lot of natural beauty that has always attracted people to Kenya. So it, it's actually had quite a good um, tourism industry for a really long, long time. And that's kind of been, it was its niche for a while, you know, come to Kenya, see our beautiful mountains, go to the coast, that kind of thing. But in the last decade or so, it's also trying, the, the, the government a lot is trying to put in effort on the infrastructure and the technology thing to show their cities as important, to show Nairobi as a destination. Nairobi was often portrayed as kind of, uh, you go there so that you can go on your safari. You don't go to Nairobi to visit, right? So the government has spent a lot of time um, investing in in that area to develop technology. So the idea of, of the rising Africa discourse is really to show Africa as the next place to start um, building and investing. So Africa, many countries, Kenya being one of them, is often shown to be like the big growth area for, for investment in the next decade, next two decades. And so Kenya wants to be, the government wants Kenya to be the regional ICT hub. Mm-hmm. They want it to be the biggest in East Africa. It would love it to be bigger than South Africa, but that would take a lot of <laughs> a lot of growth. So I think the idea of of parts of East Africa, particularly as being attractive to international investment, and the idea that Africa is not just a place of war and poverty and famine, that's something that countries and corporations and people, you know, regular regular Kenyans and regular Africans through social media, et cetera, are trying to change. They're really trying to change that image and say, come to our country, invest your money, live here. We have a lot to offer. Very interesting. And David, uh, this uh, ad we listened to was in English. I assume the majority of ads were in Swahili. Uh, were there ads produced in other languages trying to attract uh, other foreign nationals? Sure, yeah. They, in a cross-section of the ads that we, we studied, which are about 15 of them, there are ads in Swahili, which is the, 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 the lingua franca or the language that connects all the ethnic communities in Kenya. And there are also ads that use English. So, for example, in the ads that feature, let's say, white people who use uh the, the, the mobile telephony or Safaricom mobile network, uh, we, we see that th- there is a use of English in that. And, and in fact, in one ad, of course, uh, th- there is one ad that what it, it, it uses the word to karibu, which is like welcome, w- welcome in English. And of course, there is the images of you know white people on you know on a camping safari and that kind of thing. So uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is that there is this mixture of, you know, ads uh, using Swahili and ads that uses English, which is a very common, you know, phenomenon in Kenya. We use uh, both English as the official language 
and Swahili as a national language. So it sounds like uh, the ad campaign is trying to serve different functions, uh, providing one uh, message uh, in Swahili and a different one in English. Yeah, and another interesting thing, too, on the Swahili ads, if you go to the YouTube page, uh, they are translated in English. So you can read the script in Swahili, and sometimes it's also translated in English. So they're kind of trying to double you know, double their, their audience there. And most of the Swahili stuff, even though it's it's geared towards Kenyans or East Africans more broadly, it does have this, this welcome to Kenya, look at our beautiful country. It's still very much in, in that vein. Um, there's particularly some of the early ads. Safaricom got a lot of attention for these early advertisements, 2010, 2011, that were shot across the country. It showed locations throughout Kenya. The production value was extremely high. And so it got a lot of attention both um, locally in Kenya, but also internationally for that quality because there had not been advertisements like that in Kenya before. All right. Very good. So um, to sum it all up, this is a very interesting new study. And I encourage uh, folks to uh, follow your work. And uh, hopefully this will be on publication soon. I think the concept of commercial nationalism is one that public diplomacy, nation-branding scholars should uh, learn more about and really try to investigate the cooperation between corporations and governments in trying to uh, frame nations, nation brands, both domestically and abroad. Uh, Professor Tully. David Tuey, thank you very much for joining us today. I'm going to, uh, if people want to follow you on Twitter, where can they follow? I'm on Twitter at Tully, M-E, so Tully me. I'm on Twitter at Tuey, uh, David. Okay, very good. And I will, I will post uh, those Twitter uh, links to this uh, podcast. Thank you both for joining us. And thank you to our listeners. Uh, for more about public diplomacy, please uh, follow us on public underscore diplomat on Twitter. Give us a like on Facebook. And of course, come visit our page at thepublicdiplomat.com. I'm Guy Golan. Thank you very much. Have a great day.